Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, we are on our Christmas series called Christmas. Everybody try that on three. One, two, three. Yeah, emphasis on Christ, because how many know that's what Christmas is really all about? And last week we talked about Jesus, our Savior, and what an incredible act of love that God had towards us that he was demonstrated by him sending Jesus to save us from our sins. I love these words that the angel spoke to Joseph, um, the father of Jesus. He said, she'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him his name, Jesus because he will, everybody say he will. He will save his people from their sins. Is there anybody in the house grateful to have Jesus as their savior this morning? I am very grateful. Well, not only is Jesus a mighty savior, but as we move into today, I want you to know he is also a mighty deliverer. Psalm 18.2 says this, and you're gonna answer in what's in the red in just a moment. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my... He is. Psalm 108.6, save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be, help me church, delivered. Delivered from what? Well, I could talk about a lot of things, but today I want to talk about two things that Jesus has delivered you from. And the first of those that he has delivered you from is Jesus has come to save you and deliver you from yourself. Listen, There are really two great enemies to the Christian. One is your flesh, your sinful nature, your old man are all simultaneous terms or like terms that the Bible uses to speak of your sinful nature. And your second great enemy, and we'll get to him today, is the devil. In my mind, in my understanding, our greater enemy is our own flesh. Because... The devil comes and attacks, but the Bible says if you resist him, he'll flee. So so the attacks of the enemy are more intermittent. But the battle with your flesh, hello. That one's 24-7 because you can't get rid of yourself. Hello, you know what I'm saying? All right? So your flesh is an ongoing battle. I believe the greatest enemy we face is our own flesh. Okay? Now now, now stick with me this morning. I'm going to try to go slow so I don't lose you. Sometimes I hear Christians uh, say things like this, even churches at times, that, you know, Jesus came to help you make a better version of yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, not true. Not true. Okay, as as a matter of fact, that leads to this question that we'll talk about, and then we'll come back to that, and that question is this. Are people predominantly good at heart? Now, if you're predominantly good, then you can make a better version of yourself. But if sin, as we'll talk about, has really infested every bit of your being, you don't need a better version of yourself. You need a brand new version of yourself. We're going to talk about that. Listen, I heard, I heard a politician, uh, and I don't remember which one, but somebody in Baltimore City. And uh, they were on talk radio this week. I just happened to be listening, traveling from one place to another. And they basically said, hey... The problem in Baltimore City is people need more money. 
that the reason they do evil things is because they're impoverished, and if we could just get more money in their hands, then uh, they wouldn't do those evil things. Now, uh, I'm not here to argue that being poor or being economically disadvantaged creates its own problems. However, money does not change who you are. Come on, I need a few amens this morning. Here is the truth. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Beyond human cure is what Jeremiah meant. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And how about this one from the Apostle Paul? I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. Okay, that being true, what that means is sin has affected mankind, you and me, really down to the DNA level. Like we, we, are, we are infested, we are overcome. Come on, just, just stay with you. Say, Pastor, this is depressing. We're getting to the good part. Just hold in there, all right? All right? It's, it's like, listen, it's like you're driving along the car one day and you see this deer along the road and you think to yourself, no, you probably wouldn't do this. This is just made up, all right? You're like, oh, man, maybe, maybe that's fresh meat for the freezer, you know what I mean? And so you pull over, and once you get up to the deer, you realize this deer has probably been dead for a month, and it's August, okay? I mean, and you don't turn to your wife and be like, hey, get me the knife. There's some good steaks, okay? What is that deer good for? It is good for nothing. It is rotten to the very core. Jesus can't make a better version of yourself because self has been corrupted to the core. Listen, you know, someday you move and you go looking for a church and you find a church and say, what's this church all about? Oh, we're helping people make a better version of themselves. Run for your life. Just tell you, can't happen, all right? He came to give a brand new rate, a brand new person. Listen, here's what the Bible says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. What old? The old man, the flesh. Why does it have to go? It's corrupt. The new has come. Come on. Listen. Just again, trying to make sure you understand this. This was you before you met Jesus. All right? Now, if you take that to the local body shop and say, uh, I want to redo, what's the local body shop going to say? Ain't no redo for that one, buddy. All right, go, go, see, the, go see the junkyard down the road, all right? And if, if you really understand that, 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 was, that was you and me. We don't need a redo. So Jesus comes in his vehicle. And you know the Bible tells us the car that Jesus, this is a joke, all right? Just, just for a smile, right? Uh, Jesus drives a Honda because he said, for I did not speak of my own accord. He drove that quietly, all right? I'm just teasing, all right? So, so Jesus, listen. Okay, back to serious again. So Jesus comes, and here's what he says. Get out and get in. You, you didn't get that, all right? He, he comes, and you, you are in your, you're in this guy. All right, you ain't going nowhere. And Jesus drives up, 
You understand this is spiritualized. He really doesn't have a car, but just try to get this, all right? He drives up and he says, get out. Deal. And get in. And I'm gonna give you and make you what you could never be in and of yourself. Come on, is anybody getting this this morning? All right? If you follow what I've been saying, then this verse makes sense. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Give you a kind of a Bible example of this process. Moses, God called to be a deliverer. Moses had a sense of that even when he was still in Egypt before he had to flee. But Moses decided that he was gonna make himself a deliverer. So he killed two Egyptians in hopes that the other Jewish people would say, oh, look at Moses, he's gonna be our deliverer. But it all went south because it was Moses' attempt to be a deliverer in the flesh. Never worked. So what happens to Moses? He ends up on the backside of the desert for 40 years. He goes into the desert, a son of Pharaoh. But what does that mean to the desert people? Nothing. In the desert, he's, you're the shepherd boy. Get out there and watch the sheep boy. And God empties Moses of everything that he ever knew. Come on. That's what God's working in your life, friend. It can be painful at times. Right? We, we want to believe there's something in there somewhere that God can redeem. And God says, it's that dead deer. It's got to go, friend. You, you, you just let me do it. And so God empties Moses. In 40 years, God says, it's time. Go back to Egypt. But when he goes back, he's a different man. He's not the same Moses. He's been broken by God. He's been emptied out. And now he's coming back full. And if you read about that Moses back in Egypt, the Bible says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And that, what that means is he was totally dependent upon God. He realized that, that Moses couldn't do a thing. That if anything was going to be done, it had to be God working through Moses. Matter of fact, Fast forward the story a little bit. Moses leads the people into the wilderness and is their journey. And a guy by the name of Korah convinces 250 Levites that they're going to take over. That Moses is, is not the leader that they want. And, and uh, here's what they said to Moses. He, they said this. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? And Moses, who do you think you are? Who appointed you? Okay. I want you to notice Moses' response to those words. This is, this, is, this is the response of a man who's been broken by God. When Moses heard what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. Now, I want you to think about this. Just picture this. Korah comes to rise up. Moses goes down. I'm going to try that again. All right? Korah goes up. I'm going to make myself something. Moses has already been there. Moses goes low. And Moses says, it's got to be God. Come on, somebody. And I'm not going to tell you the end of the story, but it doesn't work out so well for Korah and his followers. Korah tried to rise up. Moses falls on his face before God. Listen, you got to take care of that phone, please. All right, all right, get that thing off. All right, thank you. All right, listen, there, there are some of you in this room today. 
just, just you've hit a wall. You, you think the devil's put up the wall, but it's not the devil. God has led you to the wall. Where's God? What's going on? Everything's so hard. What God is saying when you're at that wall, will you come to the end of yourself? How many know there's something in all of us that's like, I'll fix this, I'll take care of it, I'll do it my way, right? We scratch and claw, and God just steps back and says, when you're done, when you're done, I'll be here. And no Christian escapes that place. Now, there's been plenty of people who've run from that place and said, if this is how it's gonna be, no thank you, Lord. They think God's trying to kill them, and he is. But it's just not what, like they think. He's trying to kill what's alive in them that in the end is gonna do them in. If nothing good dwells in there, then God's gotta get it all out. He's gotta bring it to that point where you say, Lord, no longer me, but you. Listen, I, I remember I was saved about a year when, when, a, when a man, a, a pastor preached a message like this. And man, the light went on. Because I was there. I mean, I was on fire for God, but, you know, I'd try and do this. And there were some things I was trying to do in my own strength. And, you know, maybe even, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a strong Christian. What, what does that mean? Strong in and of yourself or, or strong in the Lord? There can be a, there'll be a fine line. You know what I mean? And, and, and that night, that day, I still remember it. I, I wrote it in my Bible. I could show you the Bible I carried at the time and the date I put in there. He said, I said, this day I realize the answer is death. Death to what? Death to self. I need, I, need to, I need to lay it down. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go back. I passed over it. Uh, um, I'm gonna go backwards. Paul, Paul talked about how frequent this process was in his life. He said, I die. You know how dangerous the flesh is? It'll, it'll try to rise every day. And Paul said, every day I gotta rise and say, Lord, not me today, but you. That's why it's good to go low in the morning. You go low in the morning to let the Lord know how much you need him so that when you rise up, you're not doing this in your own strength. You're going with him. Come on, somebody in the house say amen. amen. All right, amen. So, question before we move on to point two. Are you gonna be a Korah or are you gonna be a Moses? Let God do it, amen? Not only are we Delivered from ourselves, and that was provided for in the cross. But the second thing we need to be delivered from are Satan's strongholds. And I want to ask you a question, and I answered it on the screen, so, you, so the answer is already there. But can the devil make inroads into a believer's life? The answer to that is yes. The devil will basically take as much ground as you give him. If you have any questions or wonder about that, Paul said in Ephesians, don't give the devil a foothold. Why would Paul tell you not to give the devil a foothold unless he understands that, that you can open that door and he's willing, he wants to take much more than a foothold? And what happens is when you struggle in your flesh and give in to fleshly desires over and over again, the devil sees that you're struggling and because he has no mercy, he says, you know what? I'm gonna jump on top of this and make it 100 times worse. Understand? Temptation always starts in the flesh. But when you give into that, you know, we, we can, you, can, you can sin, repent, slam that door. Aren't you glad God's a merciful God? But how many of you know you can keep that door open a little bit and keep going back to that? And the devil, the devil sees that and 
he's going he's gonna to attack you at your weakest point. And so he jumps on top of that, and then it becomes a, a struggle, a, a stronghold, if you will. Now listen, understand this differentiation. This is important. If, if Jesus could be here today, whew, almost took a spill. Jesus could be here today, all right? And, and, you, and you come to Jesus. Now, I, I, I have an idea. Understand, this may not be 100%, but I think I'm headed in the right vein here. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm having family problems. Jesus most likely is going to say, well, let's agree together that God's going to give you strength and help to see through those family problems. And here's the point. There's no escape from the trials of life. As long as we're on this side, I'm going to help you. I'm going to see you. But if you came to Jesus and you said, man, I am being tormented by my, in my mind to the point that I'm thinking about taking my life. Jesus is going to do something. Because trials you can't escape. But torment is never the will of God for someone who is a believer. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Listen, God has called us to many trials, but not torment. Look at this verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing. Shout out that next word. All who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. I love this story in Luke chapter 13. Just stick with me. This woman walks into the synagogue where Jesus was and she's bent over. And the Bible says it was a spirit from, from hell, a spirit of torment, which didn't enable her to stand up. So she walks in. Jesus saw that she's tormented. And here's what Jesus said. Woman, you are free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now, you'd think everybody in that synagogue would be giving praise to God. And I'm sure many were. But the synagogue ruler, because it was on the Sabbath day, was like, why couldn't have you done this another day of the week? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus became a bit indignant. He said, I, he answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall? And lead it out to give it water? Listen, listen to this. This, this, is, this is not just for this woman. This is for everybody in this room. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Come on, somebody. I proclaim that over you today. From the mind battles that torment you, Jesus has called and says you're free. From the pornography that has taken a strong grip on your life, Jesus is a mighty deliverer. From the alcohol binging, the gambling addiction, free from any and all forms of torment. In Jesus' name, come on, free. Listen, free from the strongholds that you opened up to because of involvement in witchcraft or tarot cards or any of those things. Jesus can set you free. Can you say amen in the house this morning? I proclaim over you the words of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is on me. And this was, this was Jesus saying these words. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. When I pastored in Michigan, the story of this man I'm going to tell you about, he is, he, is, he is now with Jesus, went home to be with the Lord, but he came, let me, let me back up a little bit in the story. When, when he was eight years old, he was in his parents' room and reached between the mattress 
and pulled out his father's pornography. What's sad about that, his father was a Christian, went to church. And can, can I just say something to you? One of the reasons it's important that you walk in freedom is because God wants you to pass righteousness down to your kids, not junk. Come on, somebody. You need to get free for your sake and for your family because what you hold on to, the enemy will attempt to pass that on to your children. And what you get free from, it can break not only in your life, but break a long history of family chains in your family. Can you say amen? amen. So that addiction or, or, or that, that exposure became an addiction. And he struggled with it on and off during his life. Now, this man was married. He had children, came to my church regularly, was involved in my church. I knew nothing of this struggle. And sometimes we can talk ourselves because maybe we do good for a couple of months. And, oh, you know, I think I have victory. And then we fall. And, and there's something in us that just says, I can handle this myself. And let me, let me just say a word about that, all right? When you sin, you can take your confession directly to the Lord. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just. But when you find yourself in a cycle of sin, come on, be honest with yourself. The Bible tells us what to do about that. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray, make that somebody you trust, and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And what happened in this man's life is he got caught at work doing something that pertained to his addiction. And his workmates began to make fun of him. Imagine this, unsaved workmates making fun of another person who's probably doing what they do too. It's just, it's craziness. But nonetheless, it brought him to a point where he, he made an appointment. He said, I gotta talk to you, pastor. And he came in and he confessed what happened to him at eight, his years of addiction. And, and he, he was at the end of himself. He says, pastor, I just want one thing. I want to be free. And can I tell you this morning, when you get to the end of yourself and you want to be free, there's a deliverer who says, I stand ready, I am strong, and I can break every chain. And I want to tell you the three steps to freedom that I led him in, that, that God would lead you in when it comes to freedom. The first is repent. Repentance means being truly sorry that you have sinned against God, hurt other people, and a willingness to turn from it. When you repent, you have to close every open door. That's what repentance means. You turn, you go the other way. That means if it's an inappropriate relationship you're turning from, you cut off all means of communication, you make it plain that it's over forever, and you find an accountability partner that if that person tries through other means to make contact, you call them and say, this guy's making contact or this girl's making contact. Come on. Close the door. You repent. How many of you know you can't play games with somebody whose only jobs are to kill, steal, and destroy? You have to mean business. Three of you. And then secondly, you repent, and then you renounce. Renounce means to say to the devil, I gave you an advantage. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting that. I'm confessing that. I opened a door. But you're done. You're out of here. Whatever advantage you took over me because of my own sin... I've repented to God, and I'm telling you, that territory in me is no longer yours. It's, there's a new sheriff in town, and he's taken over. Come on, somebody. And you renounce your association. And that man in my office repented. 
I led him in a prayer of renouncing. He says, I renounce that sin. I renounce the enemy's strongholds in my life and in Jesus' name. You know, you, you can do that in your own house. You ever move into a house and you feel like there's demonic activity? And I don't, I don't have time to explain this, but, but friend, there could have been a lot of things that happened in a house you moved in before you got there that attracted familiar spirits. And now you move in and you're calling this home and they're calling this home. But friend, there's one advantage that you have because you're a blood-washed saint of God with the Holy Spirit. And you can walk into that house and say, there's a new sheriff in town and I don't know how you got here, but whatever was done to bring you in, you're no longer staying. I plead the blood of Jesus over my house. This is Jesus and you are out of here. Come on, somebody, because the Bible says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Amen. And then step three, and worship team come, we're almost done, is retake or replace. What I mean by that is when, when you know, the enemy swept off the territory, it's important that you fill that territory. The word of God, prayer, more time with Jesus. You're just, you're just gonna, you're gonna fill that up. Numbers 13.30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish Strongholds. What do I call that when someone gets caught in a sin or a mind battle and the enemy comes in and puts a clamp on that thing? That's a stronghold. And what did God give us? He gave us weapons to what? Strongholds? Demolish strongholds. Does anybody in the house believe that this morning? Amen. So, so listen to me. In just a moment, I'm going to give you opportunity to come to this altar. You're here this morning. And you say, Pastor, going back to point number one, Jesus came to deliver you from yourself. He says, Pastor, I, I, man, I'm just, why, why, what, what is going on? I feel like Jesus is trying to bring me to the end of myself. And can I just tell you, that doesn't just happen once in your Christian life. You'll get to the end of yourself, you'll surrender, and you'll be like, man, I think I'm near perfect now. A little while down the road, you'll say, oh, why am I so full of pride? How many know this is a process we're in? And God's continually, in some ways, trying to bring us the end of ourselves. You know a good place to be when you feel like you're in that process is to come to this altar and just say, Father, none of me and all of you. If you're struggling with some stronghold today, listen to me. Come to this altar and let Jesus deliver you. Come on, these altars are open. If something I said resonated in you, get out of your seat. Don't care what anybody else thinks. And come right now in Jesus' name. Come. I proclaim freedom over you. Proclaim God's work in you. Come on. Come on. Every stronghold. Pray around these altars. Some folk will come to the end of themselves today. They'll realize that, that what's been happening is, is God's attempt to, to get you to lay it down. To get out of that junky old car. Get out and get in, Jesus says today. Now behind these who've come, I'm opening these altars up for everybody. Come on. Could we just spend some time with Jesus before we go on our way? Could you just come down this way? I feel the Lord's in this place today. Listen, you might be disappointed by the end of the Ravens game. They might lose. But you won't be disappointed when you come down here today. 
and let Jesus work in your life. I'm telling you, you won't. Oh, Jesus, 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 have your way today. Have your way today, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.